Welcome back to the Fantasy Front Office Podcast, episode 52, for the week of February 12th, 2019. This week, we are going to dive into the depth of the outfield and try to pull out some sleepers and value picks for you later on in drafts. All that coming up in a minute. And now, entering your ears, your Fantasy Front Office. And around the front office with me this week, we have Phil and Todd. Welcome back, gents. Hello. All's good on the DL front there, Phil? Oh, yeah. Back at full strength. Just in time for pitchers and catchers to report. Preach. Best days of the year. What? We're about two weeks away from uh, live baseball again? February 23rd, Diamondbacks start. So wow. Almost there. 12 days. 11 days. Oh, boy. Season is coming on us hot and heavy. All right. Well, gents, let's dive into our top 15 outfielders right now. Spoiler alert. Phil has Mike Trout. <laughs> Number one. Spoiler alert. Everybody has Mike Trout. Oh, wait. My algorithm did not. We'll discuss that in a moment. Uh... First three outfielders, Phil, Todd, uh, you were pretty much in sync here. Mike Trout, number one, Mookie Betts, number two, J.D. Martinez, number three, and then things get a little crazy. Phil, who's your number four? Ronald Acuna. Guy could easily be the number one player in fantasy this year, um, so you have to throw him up there a little bit higher. Uh, I think he might be a guy I would comfortably draft in the sixth pick, uh, top six at this point. Wow, wow. That's Damn. that's all I can say. Um, now, are, are you worried at all that he may not steal many bases at all this year? No. I think the kid loves playing baseball, and I think he's going to do everything he can um, to show that. And he's definitely got the talent. Uh, I, I think he's probably going to hit 30 home runs and steal 20 bags with a good average. If he's hitting four in that lineup, will he still get that many stolen bases? Uh, I mean, Yadier Molina had 18 stolen bases couple years like you know several years ago and he's probably the slowest person on earth so uh i do believe that if he wants to steal bases then yes he will have opportunities uh, throughout the season to be able to do that all right that is a, a spot where i'm kind of worried about acuna with those stolen bases and yeah all right todd who's your number four uh for me i got the mvp christian yelich number four um, I mean, what can you say about last year? Just 36 homers, 22 stolen bases, um, both career highs. So for me, he's at number four. I think that's a good spot for him. I still have uh, JD ahead of him. But I mean, just playing at Miller Park, he has still has kind of unfavorable uh, launch angle. The advanced, advanced statistics for, um, you know, the home runs to stay at 36, it's probably not going to be there. But I mean, yeah, it's hard for me to put Acuna over Yelich just yet. All right. And you've got Acuna coming in right after him, oh. uh, followed by J. Judge at six. Phil, you've got Judge five, Yelich at six. Any particular reasoning there? I just think Judge is a better hitter. I think Yelich is a better pure hitter, like kind of like Joey Votto is. But as you know, Todd was talking about earlier, I think he has some launch angle issues where he hits more line drives. So I think he's safe as far as batting average, and I, I don't think you're going to see as many stolen bases probably. I also don't think that you're going to see as many home runs, and so I think Judge has a monster year this year. As long as he's healthy. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the case with everybody, but <laughs> right. Yankee Stadium's kind of hard to not hit home runs in, and he is good. <laughs> 
true, those soft pokes to right field tend to go out. Well, I mean, people forget, like, his first year he came up, he was, like, number one overall player for a good chunk of the season. So easy to see that he could go on a tear like that again and just dominate and hit another 50 home runs. So that's kind of why I put him ahead of Yelich. I think it's a safer bet for me. All right, all right. Now you both have the free agent Bryce Harper at seven, followed by Stanton. Any any major reason there, Harper over Stanton for either of you? It's a uh, it's kind of a tough one because this is the spot where I probably wouldn't take either of these guys in a draft. Um, would probably be end of first or uh, early second. Um, but I still have him seven eight, and I just think of Harper. You're going to get a little bit more stolen bases, and he should hit for a better average. Uh, definitely, you know, the on base percentage is always there with Harper, but. I mean, it is tricky because Harper hasn't signed yet. And do worry if this goes deep into spring training, you know, what effect does that have? But for now, I do have Harper over Stanton, but it's close. The only reason that I didn't actually have Harper, I would say maybe even above Judge, is where is he playing? Like, if he plays for San Francisco next year, and his value, in my opinion, um, great. So, you know, if he goes back to the Nationals, sure, that's good. You know, if he signs with the Phillies, uh, that, that lineup's pretty potent now. Um, if he even comes to the Cardinals, you know, something like that. <laughs> They're not even rumored, but it, it, if it happened, I mean, the Cardinals have a decent lineup right now. So, I mean, depending on the landing spot, it could be drastically different. Yeah. Because, like, you know, the favorite right now is San, San Diego and uh, San Francisco. <laughs> and, right. And both of those teams and stadiums are not really the best for hitters, so... Sorry. I, I, you know, that's why he's down there for me right now. But Stanton, I think, is going to have a big year also. All right. Now at 9, 9, 10, 11, things get a little interesting here. Uh, Whit Merrifield makes an appearance on your list, Phil, at 9. Hashtag what happens. <laughs> he did play some outfield last year. Uh, we were discussing before the pod, we weren't sure. Probably going to see most of his at-bats at second base, but he should be eligible in the oh, outfield. Yeah. yeah, he uh 39 games last year. Should in just about every format then all right you got Juan Soto at 10 Charlie Blackman at 11 uh Todd you got Charlie Blackman 9 Starling Marte at 10 and Juan Soto at 11 what's what's making the difference there for you with Blackman there Todd well starting with Blackman he led baseball in runs last season so that'll still be there to hit the top of the lineup the Rockies will have a good lineup Uh, maybe even better than finally when the young guys play and Daniel Murphy's there but he still stole 12 bases you know that has declined pretty much each year but I think he's still gonna be a 10 stone base guy 29 homers which he hasn't hit less than 29 the last three seasons so you know how many runs he scores he led the league at 119 the year before he had 137 so that just a real big advantage you get with him the homers stone bases are there um you know he is getting older but I still think he's I have him number nine. Uh, I still think he'll put up top 10 numbers. He does a little bit of everything. And you have to love him in that lineup. Plus his mullet game is strong. Yeah, it's still <laughs> strong. He's not balding. Well, maybe, but the mullet's still strong. And why were you so low on Soto there? I mean, dropping him, dropping him at 11, it's close, but... Yeah, this one was tough because... I mean, still at 11, I think I have him fairly high, but uh, Starling Marte, who I have at 10, very, very quietly had 20 home runs and 33 stolen bases. And I think he can definitely be a 20-30 guy again this year. Uh, Only playing 145 games, so if he can add a few to that or stay at that number, uh, that'd be really encouraging. And another thing is the Pirates moving to number three in the lineup, so he's not leading off anymore. So the home runs and uh, the RBIs are coming up a bit. 
So I just have him a little ahead of Soto just because he's going to steal more bases. Uh, a little less pop, but the averages should be the same. So, uh, you know, I'm just taking the you know a little safer play, I think, of Marte. But, I mean, I still have Soto 11. I'm extremely high on him. All right. 12 for you, Phil, is Starling Marte. I'm assuming you kind of echo what Todd is saying there. Absolutely. All right. Uh, for you, Todd, you've got Chris Bryant. Bryant makes an appearance on Phil's list at 13. Uh, Whit Merrifield makes an appearance at 13 for Todd. 14, you were both saying Andrew Benintendi. And 15, it's Tommy Pham for Phil and Chris K. Riss Davis for Todd. What, uh, what pushed Chris Davis there for you, Todd? Uh, for me, it's just he's one of the most consistent guys in baseball. And if you look at Giancarlo Stanton, you have him eighth. Uh, we both do. And uh, I believe our shredder, your shredder, has him a little higher. Um, he's a guy, 260 average. He's going to hit a ton of home runs, not really steal bases. Well, Chris Davis will have exactly a 247 bang average and hitting the 40 home runs every year, 48 homers. So it's when you look at that, and that's kind of why I said I wouldn't take Stanton at um, outfield eight, even though that's where I have him ranked, is because you can get similar, maybe a little better value in Chris Davis a little bit later. And his ADP is lower than the 15 spot that I have him at, but I just thought I'd you know, put him at the, on the list just because, I mean, the consistency is insane. You know, three years of 40, over 40 homers, and then the 247 thing you got to love. So, so I just want to say one thing about basically picks from my nine to 15, actually nine to maybe 13 or 14, they're probably guys that are taken within 15 picks of each other in whatever draft is going on. So, I mean, it's kind of razor thin between all of those guys anyways. So you could literally interchange Tendy with Whit Merrifield and almost have, you know, it's kind of like the tier is, is Stanton as far as my, my I'm concerned. Uh, anything above that is the uber elite and then when you get below that tier is when you start to kind of fall off um actually maybe even wit as far as that because just because what he provides the batting average and stolen bases that aren't really there but anyways i just wanted to throw that idea out there yeah, and I, I completely agree with that i think this whole tier is really really close together even a couple of guys right after it to be yeah. honest with you yeah we arbitrarily cut it off at 15 but you could easily go to 20 and find great value right there as well um now i i rejiggered with the algorithm a little bit after the last few weeks because i wasn't I'm still tinkering with it. We've spent a lot of time together and things are progressing along nicely. Um, but just looking at using average because a lot of people are playing in average leagues. Um, my top 15 using averaging the ranks across five categories, including average, uh, where they fell in all of the 249 outfielders. Christian Yelich was my one, J.D. Martinez my two, Mookie Betts my three, fourth was Mike Trout, fifth, Charlie Blackman, six, Mitch Haniger, seven, Andrew Benintendi, Giancarlo Stanton, nine, Ronald Acuna, ten, David Peralta, 11, Michael Brantley, 12, Nicholas Castellanos, 13, Bryce Harper, 14, Juan Soto, and had a tie statistically between Tommy Pham and Aaron Judge. Obviously not having Mike Trout number one, I still need to tinker with this, but this is just playing off of 2018 numbers, including the stint that he played on the DL. Um, anything major in that list that's jumping off the page at you as to bonkers? David Peralta? Uh, yes and no. I mean, yes, last year was a career year, and 2019, he's 
pretty much the only big bopper in that lineup now. I mean, he he's a guy who he's flashed a lot in the past, but I mean, he really put it together for a full entire season for the first time in his career. And I mean, big jumps from career highs, but I mean, he's a guy who hit 293 the season before, hit 293 in 2018 also, 312 hitter his second year in the majors. So, I mean, there is a little bit of a sustainable you know nature to it, but it, that is pretty high. I didn't think he'd be that high on the list. Yeah, he drops some when you go to an OBP league, uh, drops down to tied for 15th, 16th there, uh, as does Michael Brantley. Um, Cassianos is another one that jumps off the page to me that he's so high on this list. He's actually been jumping. He's, he's been progressing steadily over the years. I think that he's someone that surprised me. Um, making some strides as far as contact is, is concerned. Uh, you know, he had a 300 batting average last year. I know that's a, a dumb stat to throw out there, but without looking at anything else, um, you know, he's got consistently low 20s and home runs, and even on that bad team, he found a way to to put the bat on the ball enough times to have, you know, a 300 batting average and a 500 slugging percentage. So uh, I think he can consistently also hit the ball pretty well. Um so that one didn't actually like that one. That yeah. one kind of stuck out to me in a, in a good way. That and the Mitch Hanniger one. Yes. Hanniger has done some good stuff. Um, he was sixth overall in RBI ranking in outfield. Castellanos was ninth overall. Yeah. And I, and I think the, the really big knock on, on Mitch Hanniger obviously is going to be health. Uh, but, you know, 28 years old coming into his prime. And if he can stay healthy, uh, he's shown that he can hit the ball. Uh, I mean, he had a 491 slugging and 17 and a 493 slugging and 18. So if he can continue to play, he's going to continue to hit. Yeah, Hanniger right now is going about 88th overall in ADP. Uh, earliest somebody took him was 58. The latest at 113. Anything around that 95 to 105 range is where I'm probably targeting him um, if he's there. Castellanos is going 89. He's, uh, wow, somebody took him at 43. Jeez. Jeez. Uh, latest he's gone is 127. I can definitely see that. But between those two, I'm definitely looking in that area. Um, somebody who did not make the list but is going above is Eddie Rosario as well. He had a little bit of an injury last year but bounced back some. I think towards the end of the year, he kind of fell off. He was having you know a really good start to the year and just fell off a cliff. So it was kind of concerning to me as a dynasty owner. Yeah, that, but he ended up he ended quad. up the year basically. Yeah, he ended up the year basically the same as what he did the year before, though. So true. Played 138 games. Yeah. Um, Tommy Pham keeps making an appearance across most of my lists as as a top outfielder. Somebody I'm really looking into targeting this year. Um, his second half and once he went to Tampa Bay really caught fire. It was almost the tale of two seasons there with him. It really was. And it's kind of telling, you know, that <laughs> as, soon as, he, as soon as he leaves that toxic environment with, you know, the manager that was, and uh, now he's down there in Tampa, he, he thrived and ended up with a season not as good as the year before, but, I mean, he's shown the potential, and because of the, the growth that he made with that new team, uh, I think that you can easily take him right around the same spot you took him last year if you, if you drafted him and feel comfortable that you're going to get at least what you got last year and probably a little bit more. Yeah, Fam is coming off the board at 63. He's the 18th 
outfielder off the board. Earliest was 45, latest 87. Uh, he's going right in the same area as George Springer. So would you guys rather have Fam or Springer? Oh, I'm not a fan of Springer, so I would take Fam. Yeah, and I'd be in with Fam too. Uh, Lorenzo Kane or Fam? Fam. I'd probably still go Fam. Ooh, interesting. Uh, is David Dahl ever going to play like consistently at the major league yeah. level? Yes. <laughs> He's going to get the opportunity this year, but it's health permitting. Well, they say that, but we all know Colorado as well. Uh, he's coming off the board at 71. So would you rather Fam over Dahl? Mm, no. Yeah, yeah, I'd rather have Fam. Sorry. I was thinking what I'd rather have Dahl. I was looking at his page. <laughs> I mean, I would I would probably have to go with Fam too. And you know, there's a lot of I've been seeing some stuff when they're talking about I don't know if they've done it already or not, but re-signing cargo. And it's just obviously Dahl's better than cargo, but the Rockies, I mean, they'll <laughs> they'll play the veterans, they'll play the old guys, they'll leave them out there. And uh so you always have to worry about that. And, and Dahl, I mean, he's been hurt every season. You know, he's really struggled with that. And which Fam, you know, does have his issues in his own, but you've seen it from Fam and I just I really like this year for him uh, getting a full opportunity away from the Cardinals. So I'm, I'm in Phil's boat too. I'm pretty high on fam. All right. So let's break this down a little bit. Now, some guys like to play in three outfielder leagues, some in five outfielder. Um, I know the TGFBI that's coming up. We're in a five man outfield mm-hmm. and two catcher too. Yikes. Yeah. Yes. Two catcher. I, I'm working on some in-depth catcher stuff like I did last year. So be on the lookout here in the next month, hopefully next few weeks but we'll see um what is your strategy going in with uh looking at a three outfielder league fade outfield early you can always find an outfielder late and a three outfielder league like i would i would almost be happy with someone that, like one of those guys that we were just talking about like david Dahl or you know um tommy fam as as my number one yeah okay so stock up on mid-range outfielders but get elite infield oh yeah and pitching and pitching. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you can't get Badger Trout, you know, I'm probably not going outfield first round. And, uh, for example, like we had a team, five outfielder mock, and I took um, JD third. But if it was a three outfield league, I probably would have took Jose Ramirez. So that would be an example of, you know, just kind of the league setting. I mean, with three outfielders, there's so many outfielders that, I mean, it's, there's no reason. Take advantage of it and just wait because there's no reason to grab one super early. <laughs> All right. Well, now. Yeah, I mean, it, especially if you're in, in a league that has, you know, let's say 15 teams or whatever. If you're 15 teams and uh, it's a it's a head-to-head league probably because you're three outfielders, you know, it's, it's probably not going to be necessary for you to take, you know, like one of those top guys almost ever because if you go the other route, you have much more flexibility later in the draft because uh, those those outfielders tend to sit there like the – the fourth and the fifth outfielder or the third or the fourth outfielder that you take, you know, your backup, those guys are the guys that you're going to get a really good value on later. Um, especially if you don't fill your final spots, um, until like towards the very end of the draft, that's where you're going to get a, a huge value. Um, that's kind of the difference to me, uh, early on, that's why you don't want to go that way. So it gives you the flexibility later, really. Now, how does your strategy change going into a five outfielder mock i want to get a couple of them early because then you then you can then you can wait for a while and do exactly what i just said and wait for there to be a value out there instead of uh you know you having to attack and and draft somebody here let me look pretty deep in there where i would for sure not want to draft somebody but you might be stuck drafting um Delano the Shields Jr., uh, Eric Thames. These are the guys that, you know, if, if you wait in a 15-team league, in a five-outfielder league, 
these are some of the guys that you're going to be drafting, and it's not fun to be relying on a guy like Leonis Martin every day in your lineup. Yeah, because, I mean, last season, so I went, it was the end of the, probably the end of the first round, I went Harbor, uh, you know, just to establish a surefire number one outfielder anchor that group. But I, I'm definitely a fill on that, where you want to get two or three fairly early so you don't have to rely on outfielders late because, I mean, they dry up pretty quickly in the invitational setting with the 15 teams. So that's definitely a position that I target early is outfield. And like I said, I took JD over um, Jose Ramirez in the mock we did the other day in the, the kind of format just because I knew I wanted that surefire number one uh, outfielder JD. I'm trying to look at what my strategy was last year in the uh, rotational here. Mine was to draft as many players that were going to get injured as possible. <laughs> um, and and to make sure that any pitcher that I drafted uh, had at least a 5 ERA by the end of the year with the missing ligament. So I'm going to go the other direction this year and actually try to avoid that. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend that strategy there, Phil. But I mean, for what I was talking about earlier, some of the guys that are in the 75-plus um, selected for ADP and outfield on NFBC right now. Uh, Kiki Hernandez, Tiasco Hernandez, Matt Kemp, Adam Jones, and he doesn't even have a team. Uh, Jock Peterson, uh, Kevin Kiermeyer, Cedric Mullins, who I actually like, um, Nick Markakis, another guy I actually like, Steven Souza. But like, these are not guys that you want to rely on for the rest of the season to, to be a guy that you're going to want to plug in every single day and watch what they do. Uh, you know, you're going to want a guy that I don't think I would want a guy that would be past maybe top 50, um, maybe even 55. So that means you're going to have to draft guys pretty early because there's a there's a pretty big drop off after that point. You know, that's around pick 200. Where I was talking about, you're at pick, you know, closer to three, 300, 350. Three, almost four, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if, if you're in a league like that, you just have to know what you're going to have if you neglect outfield early. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to be anchoring your outfield with uh, Tyler O'Neill, Avisail Garcia, and Jorge Soler. Right. If you get two guys from there because you neglected your your uh, your outfield early, mm. <laughs> you better drafted really good at the early part of the, the draft because... <laughs> Those guys aren't going to really do it for you. No, no, not really. All right, so where are we looking at some outfield value later rounds? Um, probably looking past, past what? Pick 150? Let's see. I had a couple of guys written down that were pre that. Yasiel Puig still is being drafted way too late. Um, I think even more recently, he's been drafted a little bit higher. Um, but I think he's more in line with some of the guys that we were talking about earlier. David Dahl, Marcelo Zuna. Um, but he's still being drafted a good amount past them. Um, Eloy Jimenez, everyone is drafting uh, Vlad <laughs> Jr. like way early. Yeah, uh, pick and, 40, I believe. And and not that I don't think Vlad Jr. is going to be you know the amazing stud, but Eloy Jimenez is just a very small tick behind him uh, in my estimation, and he's going around pick 110. So I think that's going to be a huge value to some people uh, as long as he gets called up early enough, which that's kind of the game that you're playing with those two guys. 
Um, but one of the guys that is actually kind of deep is, is Jesse Winker. Um, our boy Justin came out with a, a tweet the other day. It was one of his graphics that he comes up with that are always awesome. Uh, the guys that have struck out less than they have walked the year in 2018. And there was five guys on the list, and Jesse Winker was one of them. And that's a name that stuck out to me, especially in like an OBP league. So he's always well, he was a big name for me last year. Uh, shot my shot a lot with him. And even last year, he had trouble seeing the field due to an outfield rotation. But that outfield's even more crowded now. Yeah, I don't know. They got rid of Billy Hamilton. He was their staple. I'm not joking when I say that because he was so, he's so elite at defense. Like he played center field every day. They freed a spot up right there. Matt Kemp, you're probably going to platoon him. Um, let's look. Roster resource. This is their outfield that they have listed. Matt Kemp, Scott Shebler, and Yasiel Pui. really think that it's a better chance that Matt Kemp gets benched than Jesse Winker, but I may be an idiot. I can almost see a, a platoon there, almost. Well, that's what I'm saying. And then he would, I, I feel like Jesse Winker, the left-handed hitter, would get the, the heavy side of the platoon. And then again, they're also trying to get Senzel onto the major league roster, and they've been saying center field is his to lose. Which, I mean, makes Nick Senzel a really good sleeper. Definitely. That's true, especially in the outfield, because I don't think he qualifies there yet. No, not yet. So you have to be like a savvy owner to be able gotta to draft a guy and hold him. got to be on the inside there. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and I mean, Shebler is a really nice pick there as well. I'm trying to find his, he's 28 years old, decent numbers there. I know I had him on a few squads. Um, I mean, I could see Kemp losing more at bats if Senzel makes the, the major league roster. Shebler and Kemp would be a nice uh, platoon there in the outfield. Still leaves Winker as where's he getting his at bats. I think he's going to be a strong fourth outfielder. And I think that over the season, he's going to show that he's He's the better player, and he'll he'll squeeze it bats away from some of the other guys, and I think he'll be in the lineup more often than not. Um, whether it's rotating between the three positions, um, I'm not entirely sure, but I think that he's going to find a way to be in the be in the lineup. His batting average plays, or he not does. batting average. His, his I mean, his on base percentage. I mean, he's got a 400 on base percentage. Uh, <laughs> there's no way you can throw that on the bench. Yeah. If you're trying to win, I don't know. The <laughs> Reds might not be trying to win, so. Todd, who are you looking at for some sleepers there? Um, I know I know Andrew's got the uh, 45th outfielder off the board at 171 with uh, Harrison Bader. That's his big pick. Oh, yeah. Um, he did that's a his nice. Polanco. Yeah, that's his Polanco. <laughs> <laughs> he did a nice little uh, three bold predictions article that you can find at the website, fanfrontofficepodcast.com. So I was just looking up Matt Kemp. This is the final year of his contract. Yep. So I do wonder if Winker, you know, proves he can handle a fully um, a full role. Could you see Kemp maybe just getting cut? You know, um, I mean, because that trade was pretty much a salary dump, Homer Bailey for this year. So the Reds are going to pay that pretty much no matter what. So that's something also to look at. But um, for me, I really, really like Aaron Hicks. He's outfielder 36 right now. Uh, runs a little, you know, he's banged up a lot. He had a lot of minor injuries last season, but he's a guy who at Yankee Stadium. He's going to play center field for them. I really like Aaron Hicks. Um, really came on the scene last year. And just, uh, you know, I think he's a good value. It's Andrew McCutcheon at outfielder 40. Uh, he's going at 145 overall. And um, I actually saw this on MLB Network. was the comparison the last two seasons between Ben Attendee and McCutcheon, where McCutcheon only has 10 less runs, seven more home runs. Um, his on-base percentage is six points higher over the last two years. And then the big thing is they're 16 stone bases apart. 
but McCutcheon does have 25 over the last two years. And you do have to keep in mind, he did play at PNC Park and um, now Oracle Park at uh, for the Giants. So he's going to more of a hitter's ballpark for the Phillies. It's going to hit in the middle of that lineup. So I do like McCutcheon at 145, uh, outfielder 40, been able to stay healthy the last couple of years. So I think that's just a really good value. He's going to be a safe 20 home run, maybe 25, because he hit 28 two years ago. But, you know, he's going to get 10 stolen bases, do a little bit of everything. So those are kind of like the two guys around the 140 range um, that I really do like. Um, He's in a much better lineup as well there in Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, In OBP leagues, I have McCutcheon as the number 19 outfielder uh, tied with Lorenzo Cain and just behind Nick Castellanos. Hicks in an OBP league jumps up to my number 11 outfielder. Yeah. I mean, those are two guys that I always have been ending up with lately in last season and uh, definitely in on base percentage leagues, they do get a bump, but I love McCutcheon. You know, it's the first good lineup he's going to play in a couple of good years. And he was able to put up 20 home runs uh, playing the majority of year at the giants. So, you know, that, I mean, 145 overall, that I think that's a really, really good spot for him. One thing to circle back about the Jesse Winker thing, you were talking about the Matt Kemp mm-hmm. about maybe they release him. Why were they, you know, not just trade him to say the rate or the Tampa Bay Rays or something yeah. for like nothing. And because I mean they're looking for Jose Martinez, which is right. kind of kind of similar. You know what I mean? Like, why would they not take a flyer on that? So I think that if Jessinger proves himself that there's an easy path to playing time, and that they would you know explore options to yes, either have you know an awesome bench presence uh, in Matt Kemp, lol, uh, <laughs> or or have uh, you know an easy trade bait where they eat most of the, the the salary left anyways, because I'm pretty sure that the Dodgers ate most of the salary. Yeah, very true. And I could definitely see it where they let spring training play out and, you know, he's dealt before the end of spring training, clearing up some of that outfield haze and getting some prospects out of it. Like Mm -hmm. definitely doing that. I could see that. Yeah, because Loki Kemp could be getting checks from five different MLB teams, (laughs) (laughs) which is... Wow. It'd be impressive because I, I mean, it could be four. I don't know exactly how it goes down. I don't know if the Padres and Braves are still paying any of his money, but I mean, I think it just amazes me of Matt Cap is that he keeps getting traded to national league teams and he can't run. And I, I don't understand how <laughs> he, he would be best served at a DH though. Now it's mind blowing. He'd be a good fit with the Rays. Um, I don't want to see him take a bat for my boy, obviously Garcia, but <laughs> Uh, he'd be a good fit there in a couple other American League teams. And but. and like you were saying, Todd, if he's just absolutely garbage in spring training, just cut him and be done with him. Yeah. Right. But if he's on fire, make a profit off of him. And it really depends what kind of Matt Kemp shows up. I mean, two years ago with the Braves, he was a little out of shape. And then last season, comes back to LA, shows up. Maybe the best shape he's been in a couple of years, had a really nice season. So the Reds, I mean, it depends what Matt Kemp you get. If he's motivated, it might be worth something. But if he shows up with kind of his Braves or Padre mentality, you know, it might, you know, final year of the deal, obviously that trade, they assume they're going to, you know, spend that money or take Skiri Homer Bailey's big deal. So yeah, he might be really expendable for them if Winker can prove the hit and play every day. I mean, let's be fair. If you were Matt Kemp and you got traded to the Padres, you'd be pissed too. (laughs) True. So, I mean, you would sulk for a little bit and then, you know, you get over it just like he has. So, I like Matt Kemp. Honestly, with with, like the Red Sox, would you rather have Matt Kemp as your DH or your platoon of, um, and of course, it's not going to load right now. Well, I think the problem with a team like the Red Sox is is that they're already over uh, the, the whatever the hard cap is and the luxury tax. And then, so now, you know, it had to be a team that is below that. 
because his contract, even though they're not actually paying the dollar amount of it, the contract still hits for whatever the amount that it is. Yeah. Oh, and so, interesting yeah. wrinkle. I did yeah. not understand that. Yeah, so the contract still hits for whatever it is. That's why they've been playing. Um, they, you know, That's why people said that the Dodgers were playing chess last year with moving around the two two deals that they had on the books that were the same dollar amount over the two years that Kemp's contract was left. Um, but they got it off the books gotcha. in one year instead. Um, and, or they split it out over two years instead. So it, it ended up, you know, saving them some money as far as the luxury taxes for last year. Hmm. All right. All right. Yeah. I was, I was thinking they were playing Mitch Moreland and Steve Pierce at DH, but no, that's JD. Yeah. boy. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's plenty of teams out there that could use a DH. Maybe it's the White Sox. Maybe some AL team that could definitely use one like Tampa Bay to make a move that is kind of out of the ordinary, but could really help them in the long run. Um, are we seeing a bounce back from Will Myers now that he's healthy in the outfield? I know we talked about him on our third base episode. I think Will Myers is somebody that, you know, depending on the type of league you play in, you know, the the steals and saves for blood kind of leagues. Yeah. He's a guy that a lot of people are going to target early and rightfully so, because if he is healthy and he can produce another 30, 20 year, I don't care what the average is. Like he had almost a 30, 30 year in 16 and a 30, 20 year in 17. And then he was injured last year. So, um, you know, it's, it's the same principle as what I talked about, uh, with the last podcast that we were, we were on, um, guys that you originally would have drafted last year around pick 45, you're getting him. Where's he going right now? He is going at 110, 111. Yeah. So, I mean, you're getting a 70 pick discount on him just because he got hurt last year. Do you think he's hurt this year? Probably not. So, I mean, that's a decent bet. You can take him 20 picks early from that, like pick 90, and still still have a nice advantage. Yeah, I mean, at 112, outfield to 33, that's a good spot. Um, still stole 13 bases despite only playing half a season. So, even when he was banged up, he was still stealing bases. And he's going to play left field for them every day. He likes outfield, prefers it. So, still has a third base eligibility. So, corner infield, third base, that's still there. So, really do like Will Myers. You know, I think the Padres are going to have a little bit of a better lineup as everyone gets a year older. So, you know, Will Myers, that... He leads kind of that group, that kind of area, the 110 to 120 range with um, like Myers, Hicks, Peralta, and then a little later McCutcheon that I really like. Plus that Tatis kid might come up at some time this year, and wow, he's good. Yeah. yeah. Well, while we're talking about San Diego's outfield, um, are you guys in on any other outfielders there? Uh I mean, I know a lot of people are kind of big on, um, what's his name, Franmil uh, Reyes. Um, I'm not one of those people. I'm not, like, opposed to him. But if he's sitting there and, and there's someone else on the board that uh, Jesse Winker, for instance, um, around the same pick, I'm going to lean Jesse Winker, even Kyle Schwarber, Jose oh. Martinez, yeah. Corey Dickerson. I think I would pretty much lean everybody that's around him <laughs> other than him. Um, so, I mean, but if you start to get below where he's at, um, Ryan Braun, Chris Taylor, Trey Mancini, Jackie Bradley. I'd probably take him over all those guys too, though. So Bowers. Uh, I think I like Jake Bowers. Yeah, I I'd lean Bowers as well. Uh, Manuel Margot. He's much further down, two sixty eight. Yeah, because I mean, personally, I'm pretty low on the rest of the outfielders because 
Myers is going to play every day in left field. So now you have Margot, uh, Cordero, Jankowski, too, will probably make the team, Renfro, and Reyes. You have five guys for two spots. So, I mean, I, the playing time's a huge concern for all those guys. And so I'm pretty low on the majority of the pretty much the other five outfielders for the Padres. Now, sneaky guy in the outfield there is Renfro. Uh, last two years, he's put up 26 home runs, getting just under uh well, he got under 450 at-bats in 2017 and just over 400 at-bats in 2018. Um, actually raised his contact and average and OBP all in 2018 and is only 27. I'm I'm hoping they kind of trade some of these guys so they can open up at-bats for him so we can actually see what they do. Um, in that same range there, you're looking Brandon Nimmo. Are, are we looking at him to kind of bounce back? He was supposedly getting some MVP votes last year. Can he repeat 25? I mean, He's kind, of like, he's kind of like Nick Markakis to me. He's a guy that isn't going to really wow you anywhere, but he's going to kind of contribute across the board. I mean, I'm just curious about um, kind of the playing time situation for him because O'Neal's going to get some time in outfield. They still have uh, Ligaris, who's a good center fielder. Um, you know, if Cespedes ever comes back, you never know. But, I mean... Uh, it, it's a yeah. I mean, it's an interesting situation, but obviously you're getting him super late in the draft. But I think this is out for most of the year again. Yeah, having surgery on both heels. Oof. Yeah, and there's no timetable for return. Yeah, that's the most recent update that I see. <laughs> Yikes. He's gonna he's gonna get those checks and he'll see it next year. That was a great yeah. contract. <laughs> Todd, looking at outfielder 83 off the board at almost pick 330. Boy, Steven Souza Jr. I think that's a really good value. I mean, just a year ago, he had, or 2017, 30 home runs, 16 stolen bases. Really good on base percentage guy. I believe he was around 350, 360 that year, but hit like 240. So definitely a bump in on base percentage leagues. But you have to keep in mind, last season, he had a kind of... I guess it'd be a sprain pack. And he tried to play through it all year. And he was just banged up. Never really 100%. But I mean, in this range at 83, I like him a lot more than pretty much everyone in this range. <laughs> just because he's he's going to be their everyday right fielder. You can't say that about a lot of people in this position. I mean, if you look at NFBC, Adam Jones is not signed by a baseball team. He's going 79-314 overall. And you have Souza going four outfield spots 20 picks later. And he's an everyday right fielder with 30 home runs and stole 16 bases just last season. So, I mean, I, at that value, he's a really good sleeper. You know, like him a lot there. Boy, and then beyond that, it just gets nasty for what you have out there. Yeah, I, I'm, re- I'm actually really shocked he's that low. I mean, well, for he example, only had five home runs last year, so. Yeah, but, I mean, you look at a guy like, I mean, four outfield spots behind him is a guy like Greg Allen. I mean, what upside does he have compared to a guy who, 30-15 guy two years ago? So it's just kind of kind of interesting. But. Jackie Bradley is one of the guys that I will probably be targeting this year because he tends to keep falling. I mean, uh, not a lot of people noticed his hard hit percentage went, it spiked drastically in the second half uh he was healthy and things really turned around for him after a terrible first half and basically seeing every day at bats due to his defense he's gonna be a value guy uh 15 15 is probably looking at where he where his ceiling is potentially maybe more power maybe maybe more stolen bases with what he's got definitely not looking at him in an average league but more an obp league beyond that it starts getting pretty ugly uh Triple Crown Gregory Polanco comes in at the 65th outfielder off the board at 253 overall. Uh, what happened there, Todd? You know, and honestly, that's probably a little too high for him. <laughs> uh, he's coming off of major uh, hip labrum surgery. So I you know, I had a shoulder surgery that's allegedly fine by now, but also had the hip labrum, which is 
a pretty tough injury to come back from. He's probably not going to come back until at least June, best case scenario. So, I mean, taking him in that, even in that area, I'm not too high on. But it's kind of, he had a up and down year last year. Uh, did not win a triple crown. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a guy that you can pretty much just take off your draft board. Maybe stash him on your DL in May. But, yeah, sad to see. I just want to let you know that I uh, took your advice and I sold my house and I bet everything on Gregory Blanco <laughs> winning the Triple Crown. And now I am no longer with house. In a van down by the river. <laughs> That's right. And th- and this is what you get for listening to Todd when he fanboys about Gregory Blanco. <laughs> my oh, only goal this boy. year is to not draft him in any leagues. And I think this might be the year. <laughs> is this the year that you're going to go cold turkey? It needs to be. <laughs> it needs to be. Wow. Uh, going at an identical pick, there is Domingo Santana now in Seattle at 253. Might be worth a look now with everyday at bats, but man, that Safeco knock is not going to be friendly to him. All right, we will wrap up this week's episode. Where can the people find you, Phil? Phil, I'm at the Baseball Jedi. Todd? I'm Todd at Goldie Happens. I have been Jeremy at Front Office Jer. Follow the pod at Fan Front Office. Check us out at our home on the web, fanfrontofficepodcast.com. We're going to have the full 15-man breakdown of our rankings posted with the episode article, as we've done with each of the top 10 lists so far. And we are now part of the brand new arrow in your fantasy baseball quiver clipcast it is a searchable by player name podcast database where you search the player's name say goldschmidt and it'll bring up everybody who has mentioned goldschmidt i believe in chronological order from the latest podcast on down and you can hear what multiple podcasts are saying about each specific player like how we mentioned gregory polanco i'm sure there are going to be some (laughs) podcasts that mention him maybe we're the only one that mentions him in the preseason but you'll be able to search and find our podcast amongst the select few here at launch day and hopefully you guys will check it out it's a pretty cool tool that they launched for fantasy football we've been hearing great reviews of it and it's exciting to be a part of it and until next week we have been the fantasy front office Office.